1: you wonder why people from Hollywood are so dead set against Christianity. Well, not everyone from Hollywood is. Today, we have a special guest, one who grew up around the splendor of Hollywood and later on gave his life to Jesus Christ. Even if you're not a baby boomer, who didn't grow up on I Love Lucy reruns? I used to love it when I was a little kid and I'd get sick and the first thing I'd think of is, oh, I get to stay home and watch I Love Lucy. It's It's a classic. It's a show in the stratosphere. It basically created the television sitcom as we know it. Everybody's familiar with it. Now, we have with us today none other than that person who played the part of little Ricky, Keith Thibodeau. Keith, welcome to our program.
0: Thanks a lot, Bob. Uh, Great to be on your show.
1: It's great to have you. Now, you know, everybody thinks of you as little Ricky. So if you don't mind, the first question I'll ask you, kind of an obvious one. How old are you right now?
0: Uh, believe it or not, little Ricky's 60 years old. <laughs>
1: little Ricky is 60 years old. Well, you know what? I'm I'm right behind you. I'm 57. Some people don't remember much about their childhood. How much do you remember about the I Love Lucy years? Do you remember it pretty vividly? Or is it uh, something yeah, I that mean, people... I,
0: I mean, obviously, you know, it's it's been years, you know, it's like 15 lifetimes ago. But, but I do remember, you know, the Lord, uh, he's given me a pretty good memory. And I actually wrote a book about it. About my times on the on the Lucy show. Um, well, let's get uh, the
1: name. Of, let's get the name of your book and how people can order yeah. it and get a copy of it.
0: It's called Life After Lucy, and the title is a little misleading. And it was published way back in 1994. But uh, uh, it, it, I I went through a lot of my uh, my past uh, before the Isle of Lucy show, and then of course uh, with with the series, and then after, and then uh, just how I came to the Lord and what. What happened to me after the show? And, you know, child stars usually just kind of, you know, go up like a, a firecracker and then fizz out and, and either, you know, self-destruct or whatever. But God's grace was on me through all that stuff, and so I uh, I got through it all.
1: Yeah, and I want to I wanna spend a good deal of our time today talking about your testimony and what you're doing now. First, I think there are some I Love Lucy curiosities that our audience is obviously going to have. And I'll bet you you get asked this to the point where you're sick and tired of it, but it's kind of a big elephant in the room kind of question. How often do you get confused with Desi Arnaz Jr.?
0: Quite a lot. In fact, I still get that. Uh, every time I'm made to be known as as a little Ricky guy, Everybody gets Desi Arnaz Jr. mixed up with me.
1: Yeah, well, now, if it'll make you feel any better, I did hear Desi Arnaz Jr. interviewed a few years ago, and he has the same problem. They mix him up with you. I remember him saying one time, everybody thought I could play the drums because the kid on I Love Lucy could play the drums, so it, it works both ways, I guess.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, and you know, what's, what makes it more confusing is that he did play the drums later on. He was in the, the pop group Desi, Dino, and Billy. Oh, no, I
1: didn't know that. He did go on and learn the drums later. That's, oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a very, pretty, pretty, pretty accomplished drummer, and, and so... There's a lot of similarities uh, between us. And well, and, and
1: by looks also, because you, I mean, on the show, when and I, I still watch the show all the time. I have a lot of them on DVD now. You could pass as a dead ringer for Desi Ernest's son, at least as you looked on that program, you
0: could. Well, absolutely. You know, that that was one of the reasons they, uh, they cast me in, in the part of Little Ricky was that I looked like Desi when I was a kid, and uh, I was also able to play the drums at a very early age. I started when I was about two years old, and then I was a professional drummer at the age of three and four, doing one-night stands across the nation with the Horsehide Show.
1: No kidding! At three and f- that is—you're a child prodigy.
0: Well, I guess you can—I guess you can say that in a way. But uh, that—that's kind of how I uh, kind of got catapulted to uh, the audition for the Alice Lucy Show was through through this big band experience that I had when I was very, very young.
1: And I understood that the kid being able to play the drums was part of the criteria they were looking for when they were casting the part?
0: No, they, they, I mean, they were not looking for a, I mean, they, they didn't expect a kid to play the drums like I did. So how did
1: that happen? Weren't you at an audition and they heard you play the drums? Or, or did not, am I getting this wrong?
0: Well, I mean, there's different stories. Some some stories say that, that Lucy and Desi had, had watched the Horus Hyde show uh, which which was aired on Saturday night. It was called the Swift Premium Hour, the old Swift Premium Hour, and that's one story that they saw me playing the drums. And in fact, I think Desi says something in his book about it. But uh, I, I mean, I've got another story that that it was basically a surprise to them.
1: Well, we'll go with your story. What's your story?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you can go to either, with either one of the stories, but my, I think my story is is the correct one. I just I just ended up on the set. My a friend of my father's found out about the uh, the part that they were uh, auditioning for, and said, I think your your kid has really got a big chance of of really uh, getting this getting this, this, this role, you know, as Isle of Lucy's Little Ricky. And uh, at the time, they were looking to expand the part of Little Ricky. He had already been born, but they wanted, you know, to write more uh, shows around the fact, and they were kind of run about, running out of ideas for the Isle of Lucy show. So to have a, a child that, you know, they could write parts, you know, with with the family and all that was was something that they were uh, were very much interested in. So the fact that I, I I got on on the on the set and there was a set of drums, uh, his band his band's drummer had Desi's band's drummer, and they said, "Well, I hear you play the drums," and, and so I just went over there and started playing on the drums. And Desi Arnaz walked over and and started jamming with me on the on the, the floor tom.
1: <laughs> about that.
0: And he said, you know, he, he stood up and he said, "Well, I think we found little Ricky.
1: Okay, see, that's the part of the story that I had heard, but I guess I assumed that that was planned by the audition. But this is even better. You, this was kind of uh, spontaneous. So Desi Arnaz would have been pleasantly surprised. He wasn't expecting that.
0: Well, yeah, I, I, you know, it, probably two, both stories could have been correct. They may have caught me one night on the Horrified show, you know. Uh, that was very, uh, a very plausible idea. But... Ne- nevertheless, I was signed to a seven-year contract and uh, started with, with with my sort of my my lifelong. Uh, identification as as, uh, Little Ricky on the Isle of Lucy show. Now, if
1: they gave you a seven-year contract, I'm assuming that at that point they assumed the show would go on a little bit longer because, as I recall, you were in season six of the half-hour I Love Lucy's, and then you continued to appear on what they called the Lucille Ball-Desi Arnaz Hour Comedy Specials, and that went on a couple more years, correct?
0: Yes, the the, the special you're talking about was sort of an expanded version of the Isle of Lucy show that was not filmed in front of a live audience but was uh, something that Desi had in his mind to do, and of which I was a big part of those shows as well.
1: You were now, again, correct me if I've got any of this mistake, and we all like to think we're TV buffs, and <laughs> what the heck do we know, but they had a toddler version of Little Ricky, and he seemed to grow up awfully fast between seasons five and six, so I'm assuming that was a different kid, the the toddler that Lucy said goodbye to when she went to Europe?
0: Yeah, I mean, for the, for the Lucy buffs out there, there were... Uh, uh, there was there was a set of twins that played the infant Little Ricky when right. he was first born. Uh, it was either the Simmons twins or the Mare twins. I think the Simmons twins played the toddler. And then there was another set of twins twins that played the, the toddler. And then all of a sudden, like you said, the little, little Ricky kind of jumped up a little bit. Yeah,
1: in, that, that um, would look a little too... And yet it's interesting. They They sure did a good job casting because that other kid looked a little bit like you too. I mean, they did a pretty good job with this.
0: Yeah, the writers were really, uh, you know, I think they were very instrumental in, in, in being very, very exact about, you know, how they wrote the stories and things, and, and uh, th- I think they th- they were definitely on the set when uh, when I was chosen to be there, and uh, and, and so I, I think it just all, it was just like a perfect puzzle that kind of fit together. Uh, now, now Keith, uh,
1: as I understand it. Lucille Ball, in real life, did get pregnant with um, who was to be Desi Arnaz Jr., so they decided at that time to make Lucy Ricardo pregnant also, and that's one of the reasons why you get confused for Desi Arnaz?
0: Yeah, and actually, the funny thing about it was when, when the little Ricky character was born, even if it was going to be a girl, they still, had, they still wanted it to be a boy. So they were getting They were getting I guess that's. I guess that's correct. Um
1: uh, Well, it's a good thing it was a boy otherwise you would have been getting uh, confused with Lucy Arnaz. that would have been harder.
0: Yeah, that would have been uh, definitely a, a problem.
1: <laughs> now, when they on the night that they had Lucy give birth and they showed a baby, was that their real baby just that one very first time the 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 infant in the hospital?
0: No, I don't think so. I don't, think it that wasn't was the actual the, uh Stage, little Ricky. It was I still it was, the stage it was one of the mayor one. twin. Okay, well I that might be was wrong, but I think that that you know a lot of people out there are bigger busts of the Al Lucy show. No more factoids than I that I actually know about the show.
1: Yeah, that now let me part. ask you about that too candidly. Do you ever get tired of the quick association with Little Ricky? Is it something that at one time you resented and then later on came to appreciate, or how does that work with you?
0: Well, I mean, I actually, I, you know, I actually resented it uh, after I was off the show. Uh, I just resented the fact that here I was always kind of stuck in time. I was trying to grow up and yet I was always being referred to as this uh the little Ricky character and, and and people associated me with that. And it was just, you know, people would say, Hey little Ricky, hey, little Ricky, you know, it's like you know, just kinda like cutesy kind of thing that, you know, when you're growing up and you you're in your teen years or maybe in, and you and it really at my teen years it was like it was like the uh, the seminal 60s, or the later 60s, when music really began to evolve. And and uh, I was more of a musician at that point.
1: Hey, now, when you actually began on I Love Lucy, how old were you at that time? We know how old you are now. How old were you then? I was five years old. Five years old. Well, you were a pretty good little actor for being five. I am so amazed. You know, in, in some ways, it's kind of sad because... It seems to me like you should have a reputation as as being a prodigy drummer and one of the best drummers of all time. Does does that get trumped with your "I Love Lucy" association?
0: Uh, oh, absolutely. I mean, the the "I Love Lucy" show was the the biggest thing that I you know that I could say that most people recognize me as being. So it always it always kind of yeah, it sort of trumps the fact that I was a drummer and. That I, had a, that I had a background in music and I, I, you know, I played the drums for many, many years professionally. Well, we're not going to um, trumpet and, today
1: because I went online and found some of your drum playing and we're going to play it later on to some of our bumper music because I, I want our audience to know what a fantastic drummer you are and were if they watch I Love Lucy. Did you have any favorite episode of I Love Lucy, one that sticks out in your mind more than any of the others?
0: Well, my personal favorite was the, uh, the one with George Reeves as Superman. Oh,
1: as Superman! Now, as a little kid, were you kind of enthralled with Superman anyway, or?
0: Oh, you know, every little kid I believe at the time was uh, in the 1950s was enthralled with uh, Superman. George Reeves, especially. I mean, he was the Superman. And when he arrived on the set, he shook hands with me, and you know, I was pretty pretty savvy to the fact that I was in a you know in an acting environment and. I was in an adult world, but when he shook hands with me, George, uh, one of the nicest guys in the world, especially the kids he was very good with, he shook hands with me, and and he he had this firm handshake, and I I thought to myself, gosh, he really is super.
1: (laughs) That must have been so much fun. That must have been just an absolute thrill.
0: Uh, it, was a, it was a trip, man. Now, how there well t- were other things like the Maurice Chevalier show. Oh, you
1: know, now that's one of my favorites. And I don't think it's as well-known of an episode because the Lucy Desi comedy hours were not shown as much. But that was a wonderful... Uh, you guys, you can even just go on YouTube and watch this, folks. I took a look at it the other day. At first, it shows Maurice Chevalier singing to some chorus girls. And then it's followed by Desi Arnaz. And then Little Ricky comes out with some young girls singing the same song. And they're singing Valentina, an absolutely delightful number.
0: Yeah, that's a trip. I mean, I do a little, I do a little drum thing in the beginning, and then, then I do the little, uh, a little Frank Sinatra type, uh, and Desi and I and, and Maurice Chevalier. It's kind of like a little uh, musical type of thing. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty
1: cute. It's wonderful. One of my favorites too is where Lucy talks you into playing the lead in the school play, and you don't know any of the lines, and Desi Arnaz is standing there as a tree, and he actually leans over and whispers the line to you, and you go, "Thanks, Daddy." I, I like yeah, that. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean. You know, but, but any any show that I was able to, uh, to play the drums in, I, I really enjoyed because that was my forte, you know. Being able to play music was was something I really enjoyed.
1: Well, and I think one of the funniest episodes they ever filmed was when they first gave you the drum and then Fred and Ethel complained because of all the racket.
0: Yeah, it drove crazy.
1: <laughs> and it was just crazy. that repetitive just beat, ratchet. that boom, yeah. boom, oh. boom, 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 boom. Yeah, oh. yeah.
0: it was just... Uh, but, but you know there's another one little Ricky gets stage fright that's where i, I didn't want to go on and play the drums and and uh i thought i thought I thought that was a uh, uh you yes know, that one that was
1: and then. Your dad comes in and he has that little mechanical bear with the drums and he exactly. uses that to yeah, talk. It was like a little
0: touching part right there.
1: So It really was. I actually thought Lucy flourished best in that first show. The Lucy show in Here's Lucy, I was not nearly as much of a fan of, even though Desi Arnaz Jr. actually did join her for a little bit for Here's Lucy. But I, I really thought the ensemble cast with Fred and Ethel and and wasn't Desi Arnaz really the brains behind that show? I mean, it was called I Love Lucy, but I understand that he was just bringing all kinds of things in there that had never been done in television before and really was quite a visionary that he insisted that they film it instead of putting it on videotape, things like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, he, he, wa- he was the one who brought it forth. Desi was the brains behind it, and he, he really didn't get a lot of credit for what he did, and I, 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 he just sort of you know shrank back into the background in Hollywood uh, with his racehorses in Del Mar and his home in, in Baja California and uh, he he just he was he was a Cuban I mean he was just this easy going breezy kinda of guy and uh, but he really was a brilliant uh, visionary in a lot of ways
1: how well did you get to know him and how well did you get to know the others in the cast uh, Lucy and Vivian Vance William Frawley
0: well I actually you know I spent a lot of holidays and summers and, and weekends over at the Arnezes homes different homes and uh, I really got a chance to to know them, not just as the Arnezes, but I mean, not not just as the Ricardos, but more as the uh, the Arnezes. That's how I really knew them as as who they really were.
1: How much of a difference between who they really were and what we saw on TV?
0: Pretty much night and day. Really? Pretty much night and day. I mean, they, they both loved show business, so that was that was why they were in the business. And uh, uh, Lucy really loved acting, and Desi. He 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 liked other things. He liked building things, and uh, he built the studio and he he built all these different shows. He had the Untouchables. He had all these different things. But their home life was was really sad, Bob. It, it really. Uh,
1: yeah. Now, didn't they didn't they decide to do I Love Lucy originally as a project to keep their marriage together, and it, and then it didn't yeah, work out that way. Something
0: like that. I'd heard that, and I think they actually got remarried before the show they got married and then they got remarried again. Oh, that's interesting. And then they had I think Lucy, uh Lucy Arnaz Jr, uh which was the, you know, after, after they got married a second time, they had her. Uh I think they tried to make a good a good try at it. They were passionately the, the 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 one thing about them is that they were genuinely passionately in love with one another. And I think even though they married other people, they always there was always this flame and always this romantic uh, passion that that was around them all the time, even though they had their battles and even though Desi, you know, went through his alcoholism and Lucy, you know, it was just hard. It was just a hard, hard to hard life growing up as a kid and and growing up with that family and and, uh, with Desi and Lucy Jr. and spending so much time with them over there and seeing the different uh, sort of chaotic life that that they lived, you know, very, very, uh, it it just wasn't a, a really good, type environment for kids to grow up in, I don't think.
1: Any special stories come to your mind with Desi or Lucy, either when you were at their home or in the studio? Any any fond memory?
0: Good yeah. or bad. Fond. Yeah,
1: well good or bad. Just any that stand out. Maybe one of each, maybe a good one and a bad one.
0: Well I mean just the fact that Desi was so he was such a generous person. Whenever he got bought his 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 children in you know a gift or anything like that he would always give me one if I was around. Same oh, thing. That's, that's so it wasn't nice. like, you know, I was left out. I was like this. I was kind of brought in as part of the family. And Lucy, you know, I used to I used to love eating dinner around the table, uh at the big the big table, the big dinner table. Lucy would always try to stir up conversations and they they'd talk about politics or they'd talk about where would you like to live if you had any if you had a chance to live anywhere and you know, just just uh interesting type things you know Uh, what
1: kind of politics did they have were they more conservative or more liberal for their day
0: i think lucy was very conservative at the time very patriotic
1: okay my guest is keith tibodeau keith hold with me please over the break That fantastic drum playing that you're hearing is from Keith Thibodeau, and he was able to play drums even when he was four years old, also known as Little Ricky and I Love Lucy. Keith, welcome back to our show.
0: Thank you, Bob. You know, we were talking about Lucy's political leans. You know, when I knew her, I think she was more on the conservative side. And then later on in her years, I believe she began to either lean left or was completely liberal.
1: Okay. What about Desi and his politics?
0: Uh... Yeah. Uh, Maybe
1: he was living in the fast lane so much he didn't have time for politics. Yeah,
0: the the one thing that that I remember was when Castro, uh, when Batista, either, I think he, when when Castro came in, I think he really, really, he just blew a stack. I mean, he, he really, he hit the ceiling, he went atomic. And uh, or ballistic, you know, he w- he was more concerned with his homeland of Cuba and, and the politics of that, I think.
1: Absolutely. And a lot of people may forget that when I Love Lucy was on the air, Castro had not come into power yet. And there is an episode where the family goes to Cuba and you were in that episode, Keith. I remember you and and us were playing the bongos together,
0: and that, or at least it right. was
1: supposed to be taking place in Cuba.
0: Yeah, that was perhaps the most famous one. It was the Babaloo episode. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was it was really something. Now, what about uh, William Frawley and Vivian Vance? Did you get to know them very well too?
0: Uh, they were they were like real workhorse actors from from way back. I mean, weren't they, had, they an old vaudeville act originally? Exactly. Fred, I think th- yeah, they had some background in that, and uh, they were just great per- people to work around, and really, I mean, just fit those roles perfectly as Fred and Ethel. I mean, they were they became Fred and Ethel. As much as I was little Ricky or Lucy was Lucy Ricardo and Ricky Ricardo.
1: They were absolutely hilarious and they added so much to the show. Now I heard that they didn't get along too well, but that that added to their good chemistry on screen. Any truth to that?
0: I, I believe there was a little, uh, a little, uh, a little of that going on. In fact, you know, you could feel feel some of that. But as a kid, you know, I wasn't really uh, in on too many of the salties. I, I could feel that you know if there was any tension in the, in the atmosphere, but. Uh, but they, I think they had pretty much resolved some of that stuff by the time I got on the show because maybe it was the fact that I was on the show and that they couldn't really you know air their their differences. You know. Oh, they
1: might have been decent enough. Well, you know, I think to a lot of people listening right now, it is heartening to know that Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball provided kind of a home atmosphere for you. That's really nice to hear. I want to get to know you also, though. I know, obviously, people want to rush in with the I Love Lucy questions. What kind of home life did you come out of? What What was your life like before I Love Lucy? Very young. I know you're on the I Love Lucy when you're five. But were your parents there on the set with you? How did they feel about you being in show business? What was it like going to school in those days?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, those are all great questions. My my dad um, was pretty much the, the guy in my life uh, in Hollywood. He 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 pretty much had show business in his heart. My dad passed away, I guess, about six months ago.
1: Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Sounds well, like you were very, very close
0: was, to uh, him. He was 83 years old. But, uh, you know, my mother stayed at home. I was the oldest of six kids, and we were raised in a, a religious Roman Catholic family. I went to Roman Catholic schools there in in, uh, in West Hollywood, and uh, and then eventually in uh, North North Hollywood and Sherman Oaks. So I was raised in that kind of environment. My brothers and sisters did not have any uh, background in, in in show business or, or or worked in show business. I was kind of like the oldest, and also the one who was kind of like the attention was put on, at least uh, you know when 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 the TV stuff came up. But uh my my family was you know eventually like I said uh, in my book my dad and mom divorced separated when I was 15 years old and uh I'd left the Lucy show and I would played a little a little bit part on the on the Andy Griffith show And I remember seeing you on the Andy
1: time. Griffith show too you were one of Opie's friends I saw you in several episodes
0: Exactly and that was a real fun show to do as well Did Got you do any know, other television uh, or and Andy and, and, uh, and Don, just just really great people to work for.
1: I'll bet uh, they were. Was was that your only other four-way into television, the Andy Griffith Show, or did you do any other series?
0: I, I did some things, like I did some uh, guest things on the Route 66. Remember the old Route 66? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Let's see, the Joy Bishop Show, the Dinah Shore Show when she had it. Wow. And I played on that show, uh, a, a big band number. Uh, the Bill Dana Show. I remember um,
1: that that was a short-lived show, but I remember that Don Adams was on that program before he was even in Get Smart.
0: That's exactly right. The uh, Shirley Temple Playhouse was Shirley. With oh, of course. A lot of people don't
1: know that the grown Shirley Temple has done things, but she used to do the Shirley Temple Playhouse every
0: week. Yeah, and uh, so that. But 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 the Andy Griffith show was was uh, I did about twelve episodes of that, and and that was the last episode that I did was a, an episode called Look, Pa, I'm dancing and in it, I was in it and we were trying to learn dancing for the, for the little elementary school dance sock hop or whatever you want to call it and uh... and I was kind of chiding Opie because he couldn't, he wouldn't want to, he wouldn't dance and uh... that was the very last episode I did uh... as far as a TV show prime time in Hollywood before I actually moved back to Louisiana.
1: Now when you moved back to Louisiana would you have wanted to stay involved in show business or had it been a part of your life so much that it just wasn't that big of a deal to you one way or
0: the other? Well, I actually see it as as God's providence in my life because I, because I really did kind of want to stick around. I, I, at that point, I was really a, a teenager and I really was, you know, we're beginning to date and all these things and, and we were hanging out with people like Eddie Hodges and, and just, you know, dating these girls, going to the beach, doing these different things. And, and uh, I was I was actually getting into drinking at the time. Me and Desi, you know, would drink a, a, a fifth of wine, take some wine from the house, and go to his uh, school fair, you know, and drunk, you know, when I was about 15. And so I, it, in my flesh, I should say, I, I, I really liked it, and I, I wanted to hang around. Uh, I, that was my life. But God had other ideas in that I, I would have to go a very different route Now, you said your dad
1: loved show business. Why the move then?
0: Well, the move was because my parents separated. Okay. My dad lost his job at Desilu Studios because he had had an affair with a secretary, and Lucy uh, actually terminated his job.
1: Now, that we are a Christian show. We haven't talked much about Christianity yet, but I know that right now you are running a Christian ballet company that's very... Unique, especially when you consider the fact that the church has been afraid of dance for the last 2,000 years, and they're just now catching up. I'd like to hear first a little bit about your testimony, what led you to Jesus Christ. I know you brought up were brought up in a Catholic background, but it sounds like some other things happened to make you really solidify that relationship for itself. And then after that, more about what you're doing now in the present.
0: Yeah, I was, like I said, I was raised in a religious Catholic, uh, Roman Catholic background. My parents were divorced. That really shattered any kind of... Uh, Idea of who I thought God was, and uh, I, I really blamed him for for what had happened with my mom and dad, and really, you know, shook my fist at him and said that uh, you know you you could have stopped this, and why did you let this happen? My whole life was was crashing down. Uh, we had to move back to Louisiana from California, and um, basically, I was um, I was thrust into a, a downward downward spiral which, which the, the late 60s, you know, with the drugs and the sex drugs and rock and roll, the, 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 uh, the hippie, the whole hippie thing, you know, the long hair uh, was just coming in. And so the drugs and all that uh, be- began to be a part of my life in, in high school, la- latter part of high school. And then in college, I began to play music professionally in a, in a bigger way and really began to be depressed. And, and uh, what was really known as being clinically depressed right now, I began to be suicidal in, in, uh, in, in my behavior and my thoughts, and I would hear voices in my head telling me to throw myself out of the car at you know, 125 miles an hour down the interstate. Wow, wow. Things like this that, that you know, it's like, kind of like a, a child star nightmare type of thing. That yeah, that's, a, that's
1: kind of a typical story that we hear from a lot of television child stars, isn't it? It,
0: it is, but, but really, Bob, unless, unless God had intervened in my life, and it was through, through the prayer prayers of my mom, she began going to a, a charismatic meeting in, uh, in Lafayette, Louisiana, and uh, started praying for me began to invite me to the meetings and, and so on. And I really, for that first time, I went to these meetings and, and uh, sort of got shook out of my, uh, my junk. That, 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 and I just began to see that God is who he really says he is. Jesus is the light of the world. Is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes into Him, you know, to the Father except through Jesus, and uh, and I began to see that His Word is true, and that His Word is like a treasure that was uh, that that's hidden in the ground, and that unless you, you know, unless God gives you the uh, the ability to see it, it it's basically veiled, like it is to the to the Jewish people. That's today. right.
1: Left to our own devices, we would never go seeking God.
0: Exactly. God drew me, uh, Bob, and. And he had mercy on me, and he had grace and he I cried out one night in my suicidal terror at the at that point, and uh I cried out to God, and I said, "Lord, if you're real, save me, take me out of this thing, and I'll serve you and uh you know he 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 heard that prayer prayer of desperation, and he heard he heard me in my torment, and I was like, you know that guy that's in the pit and and God reached his big hand and brought me out of that pit. And had mercy on this little kid.
1: What, what actually happened? What was the sequence of events after you made that crying out prayer to God? In what way, specifically, did God reach his hand out to you?
0: Well, the funny thing about it, I started going to, to Catholic Church. I used to get up, I used to play you know, in the rock and roll world, and, and I'd, I'd do my gig and then get up you know, at 5.30 in the morning to go to 6 o'clock Mass. So I thought doing that, and I went through all these confessions, and I, I went to the priest, and I did all these things that I thought that I should do, and I said, well, You know, I've taken care of all these things, but yet there was something else missing. And I was like, what's going on? Because I've done everything that the Roman Catholic Church tells me to do. What do I need to do? And it wasn't until I really saw, I went to this charismatic meeting, and I saw nuns and priests in this meeting. And they were really seeking God as much as I was and everyone else in that meeting. And it was almost like I saw for the first time that they weren't like, like higher in stature to God, but God is no respecter of person. And and so I, I realized that I needed God and that God was was gonna show himself strong to me and he did and he I had this vision of the Lord which I kind of recount in my book of Jesus. And uh it was just an amazing vision and I came up out of that vision knowing that he is who he says he is, that he's got more love than the whole universe can contain he Jesus has more power than the whole universe can contain, and He is the answer to everyone's problems and sins.
1: Absolutely.
0: And, and so, that point on, I began to witness to my buddies in my rock band.
1: Those how guys, did how did they take your transformation? Did they did they well, knock on they your head and say, "Is that you inside there,
0: Keith?" Or, or or some something like that? They, they said, "Well, you know what, Keith, that's good that you you're feeling better, but uh, you, you'll grow out of that. You know, you grow out yeah. of this little religious uh-huh. phase." And basically. To make a long story short, I came out of the Catholic Church, and, uh, you know, my mother and, and, and family, a lot of my family are still Catholics. I love them, and, and, and I know there's some very genuine people who love Jesus in the Catholic Church, but uh, God led me in a different way, and, and He led me through His truth and through through what the Word says, and, uh, you know, just a lot of things I just couldn't reconcile with, with, with the Bible, and so, so my life took another turn, and... Uh, as I said, the guys in the rock band they actually came to the Lord two or three years later after after my witnessing to them, and actually that band became the band the Christian band David and the Giants, which uh we played in nineteen seventy nine to eighty nine actually that's when I played with them Oh, the well, my girlfriend's the in here
1: nodding right now, so she's heard of that band so
0: yeah, I mean you know it's just uh, we were we were we were sort of you know playing uh we I used to tell the band, I said, you know what, Let, let's play the same kind of music that we're playing, but let's change the lyrics to more godly lyrics. At the time, when I first came to the Lord, that, that was my, my vision. And I, I realized in the Bible that it said that you can praise him, you know, with a loud-sounding cymbal or timbrel. You can praise him, you know, with a harp and, and the, loud, the, the loud cymbal in Psalm 149 and 50. And so I saw that, that you could do this. If, if you had a heart that was changed for the Lord, it, it's funny, but but but, uh, but David actually wrote, David of David and the Giants actually wrote this song called Hallelujah, Glory Hallelujah. But he wasn't even a born-again Christian, but he wrote it just because he was influenced by what I was saying. Later on, he would become a genuine Christian, and uh, we would form the genuine Christian band David and the Giants.
1: Keith, you up for a phone call? Sure. Okay, we have somebody on line 2. We don't have his name on there, but on line 2, you're on the Bob Siegel show.
2: Oh, hi Bob. Good listening to you today. Thanks. Hi. Yeah, hi Keith. I had a question for you. I I just I'm very I've just enjoyed listening to your testimony and where you're at now. I like millions of other people I remember growing up watching the I Love Lucy show and one episode in particular, I always remember the one with uh, Superman with George Reeve, and uh, I was always just a lot of fun, And but I was just really, it's just heartwarming to hear where you're at now. Um, I was curious, with your faith now, and do you keep much in contact with people from the Hollywood industry? And I know it's not a popular position to be a sincere Christian or more conservative at least, so I was just curious what your thoughts there, if you still have relationships with people out there.
0: Well... I mean, I've lived in the South for for many many years now. I've lived, you know, my, my wife and I have been married thirty four years, and we live in uh, we live in Mississippi. So it's not exactly the the crossroads of uh, the entertainment world over here, as far as the, the New York, and the West Coast, and and the Left Coast, and whatever it is over there. But uh, you know, yeah. it, it's 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 amazing. But I you know I still I still have contact with 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 Desi Jr. people like that, people in Hollywood. Whenever I whenever I do like talk shows or or I've been on you know news programs or things like that, I you know I, I have to I have to tell people about my faith, and I think I think what happens is that if you're if you're on those shows, I think if if you begin to tell people about your faith, especially in Jesus, they will uh, they will get tired of that, and they'll just basically say, well, that's great, but you know he, he's going to talk about his faith. And actually, right. I, you know, several talk show people say, you know, you can't talk about religion. So it's one of those kind of things where I just wherever I go, whatever I do, I have to talk about what Jesus has done in my life. That's just exactly
2: well, though that's that's very admirable too. To and especially, you know, so often I think people in the public eye who I mean, they may at first make a real standard, make this change, but a lot of them don't. So it seems like a lot of people. Don't stick with it, you know what I mean with cave into the pressure or whatever
0: well, you know there is a lot of pressure, especially in hollywood if you, if you have faith and uh I, I really applaud those. there might be more than than we think you know but but the few that that you know about that actually stand up for uh, righteousness and uh and i but I think it's very, very hard because you've got you've got such such a culture of unbelief there and just a culture of whatever whatever you want to do do it and actually a rewarding those people who actually get you know people like Lindsay Lohan get more attention for doing bad than than people who who actually stand for righteousness and they just you know it's just it's just crazy you know we live it, in it's a, a it crazy, is crazy too world. especially
2: with Charlie Sheehan and Lindsay Lohan getting all the headlines and who knows maybe they they may even do a reality show that's crazy i don't know
0: <laughs> exactly she might probably benefit from the whole thing you know of course
2: but let's say it's just been a very enjoyable show listening to you and uh hearing where you're at it's 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 just great i mean you're you're in, obviously you are part of our childhood, so but now it's nice to hear where you're at
0: yeah, I appreciate it, man. thanks for calling. God bless
1: thanks for calling in, Keith. In our last few minutes, I want to give you some time to talk about this very unique, very interesting ballet company that you uh formed and to let people know how they can book you,
0: okay, well, I married a very beautiful girl. Who that would help very, with
1: ballet. <laughs> yeah,
0: very famous ballet uh, dancer who won a silver medal medal back in the 1982 uh no the ballet competition.
1: Wow.
0: Her name is Kathy. And anyway, we had a vision back back when at around 1982 or so for a, a Christian ballet company, and uh, you know, like a Christian rock band. I'd never heard of a Christian ballet company. How do you do that? So Ballet Magnificat is dedicated to presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ to the widest possible audience. And so we we go all over the United States. We go internationally. In fact, we've got a a company in Honduras right now that's there for eight days. And and, uh, we've got another company going to to Europe for about a month in uh, April-May time period. We were just in... uh, In California, uh, with one of our companies, the Alpha Company, San Diego and Escondido.
1: And let me say, I saw their performance. What was it called, the one that you did that was based on the story of Moses?
0: Uh, Deliver Us.
1: Yeah, sensational. And I I haven't been a big fan of ballet. I've admired it, but I was so pleasantly surprised that evening. And, of course, hearing the beautiful music from Prince of Egypt was an extra treat, too. But they are really worth seeing, folks. You want to bring this group into your church.
0: Well, I appreciate that, Bob. I mean, we really... um... I mean, we're not doing it for the sake of art, so to speak. We're doing it for the for the kingdom of God, and I think that's what's in the hearts of every dancer that we have uh, that dances with Balaam And Kathy and I, you know, we really believe that it's a biblical mandate for us to to dance, to, to praise his name with the dance. And so we do it in an excellent fashion with uh, really professionally trained dancers of high caliber. That's what it's all about. It's all about presenting gospel Themed ballets, biblical themed or stories.
1: Keith, are you mostly in the production end of this? Or are you doing any hands-on directing here?
0: Well, mostly I'm the executive director. I take care of the business aspect and the scheduling and different things like that. But I also travel with the Alpha Company and my wife. My wife is still dancing, and she's amazing at 54 years old. She's still dancing like these lead roles and dancing right there with the young 19 and 20, 25 year olds. You know, it's, it's just amazing how God's preserved her. Uh, well, you saw her, Bob. So you, you, you didn't see any difference in there, did you?
1: No, it, it was just an amazing show.
0: But uh, but you know, it, it's just it's just what we do, and it's what I'm doing right now. I do have some creative input, and uh, my wife does listen to me occasionally, and so it, it's it's kind of fun.
1: Well, it, it's it's really something to, to behold. I'll give out the website and contact information. This is called Ma- Ballet Magnificat.
0: Yep, Ballet Magnificat dot com, and uh, we also have a Facebook page you can get on if you're interested in that. And uh, we love to come to your town, your city. No church is too small. No, uh, no venue too big, you know. Uh, but we just, we're not a bunch of prima donnas and people like that. We, we really have a heart for, for people and a heart for the gospel.
1: In the time that we have left, Keith, just a lot going on in our country right now. Any thoughts as a Christian about our future, where we're headed as a nation right now?
0: Bob, as you know, and, and probably all the audience knows, I think we've actually passed the point of no return in this country. And I, I think we've passed the point of of salvaging what's going on. So I you believe-, believe we have
1: persecution headed for us as Christians around the corner?
0: I, I, I mean, absolutely. You know, I, I believe the Bible prophesize that, that we will be persecuted in fact we don't even have to, to be in the end times like I believe we are to, to know that we as Christians are appointed to that you know if we if, if we if we declare the name of the Lord and we're strong about our testimony on him we're going to get persecuted we're going to get looked down upon we're going because they' can't, they don't understand uh, who we are where we come from we're citizens of another of another country that God that God has made up. We're citizens of New Jerusalem, so we we are aliens. The Bob Siegel Show podcast is a production of Bob Siegel and Cross Global Media. Visit us online and subscribe to the show at cgmradio.com slash bob.